beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That's Genesis 1-1. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Thinking Well Podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm Tom. What up, Tom? What's happening, man? How's your week been? Good? Yeah. Busy. Awesome. Busy, but good. Busy and good. So that's better than being busy and bad. So. And now we've made it to Friday. And now we're Friday, which is my favorite day yep. of the week. And especially this week, we have a guest with us. I know him very well. You know him. You love him. Ryan Reeves, everybody. Hello. Ryan, welcome back. I'm Ryan Reeves. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. Oh, of course. So that was Ryan's voice. And this is my voice. And that's Kyle. This is not the same person. We'll see. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we're, we're really happy to have you on. Um, we've been talking about this kind of episode for a while, bringing some kind of a, apologetics to the podcast. And uh, I would say here at Liquid Baptist Church, you're probably the, the resident apologist. So we wanted to bring you in, and you're very well-versed just in teaching the youth and stuff about these topics and really how to defend the Christian faith. We wanted to start off, maybe kickstart a series in apologetics, and uh, we couldn't really think of a better way to start it rather than just going with the creation versus evolution topic. Yeah, it's a good starting point because I think that's the, the entire launching point, right? for uh, creation versus evolution. But if you're going to defend your faith, the Bible starts there, as you read. Um, I don't know if I'd call myself the resident, uh, you know, expert in apologetics, but I mean, because your pastors are probably pretty well versed as well. But I but I have been teaching in in a very kind of meaningful way. We've been we've this has been our strategy in the youth department for years um, to get ingrained into what we believe and why we believe it and how you defend it, Um, because you know, I don't know who all of our listening base is here, but let's just presume that we have Christian uh, people listening primarily. Um, you know, as your kids are going through school and, and then going off into like secondary education, those kind of things, I mean, they are just being inundated with uh, a worldview, a world philosophy that is very anti-God. Um, and, you know, in, in, in the course of recorded human history, this kind of movement away from God is really a, a modern concept. Right. I mean, it's I mean, people have always rejected God, but this idea that we all come from something that's not God. And I mean, that's not you know, that hasn't existed for six thousand years. I mean, this is a a much more modern philosophy that um, people want to believe because they don't want to acknowledge the fact that there is a God in heaven an authority, you know, over their life and, and over, you know, what's happening in this world. And I, I do love that you that you know as a, as a church and and you especially have taken on to like teaching this stuff to our youth. Um, I had a I have a good friend who said uh, when he came back from like his third year in college, he he said something to the effect of "We're not preparing our young people well enough for college." And I love that like that you're taking that on with our youth and kind of focusing on apologetics because that's where they're going to get attacked. Right. That's what they have to learn to have to speak to. Like, why do you believe what you believe? Because I think as churches, sometimes we get in a habit of teaching our youth like Bible stories that they've heard since they were, you know, in baby Sunday school and uh, just concepts of our belief in our faith, but not grounding them in it and teaching them how to uh, debate it and prove their point. Uh, so 
I, I think that's great. Well, think about it like from the standpoint of um, if you have a student in public school and, you know, from a young age, they're going to get into science. Um, and, you know, when, when our youth group comes up here, we have a Bible study on Sunday mornings. We have uh, a time on Wednesday nights. But that kind of exclusive just youth group and, and the ability to teach them is only two hours a week. Right, but they're going to be in a science class, I mean, through middle school and high school at least for seven years, probably five hours a week or more, right, depending on what exactly their focus is. And so, you know, we, we are already at an uphill b- battle if we were only teaching a biblical worldview uh, on apologetics, what we believe, why we believe it, if that's all we did for two hours, which is not all we do, right? We teach Bible and we, you know, we're, we're getting into content of you know, what Jesus taught us and modeling our lives. And there's a lot of su- subjects for us to cover. Apologetics is a small piece of it. Yeah. And, and we, we're, it's like a landslide, a uphill battle against a landslide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, no, a- absolutely. Um, you know, I, th- I think it's important to be able to, as a Christian, and especially in those formative years, middle school, high school, where, where I think you're more vulnerable and you're going to be attacked more, especially into college, to be able to give a defense of the faith is everything. And to be able to equip people with the knowledge and for them to be bold enough to you know step up and say, no, this is wrong, and have logical answers behind it, I, I think is very helpful. And I think that's kind of what we decided. Um, I mean, at, at Tom, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, that was like one of the, the cornerstones of this entire podcast, right? We want to, we want to provide people biblical answers, not from us, right, right, straight from the scriptures. And I think apologetics is right there in that conversation. Hey, you're, you're going to be attacked. There's all these other worldviews. What does the Bible say about it? How do you fight against these things? Um, and, and I think that's what we're, you know, setting out to do today. So one last thought before we jump into this creation versus evolution, you know, take it out of the youth for just a minute. I mean, you guys work in secular jobs, right? You're not employed at the church. You're not surrounded, I don't believe, in Christian organizations. You know, you're, you're in the world, um, and which is great. It's a mission field. But I think if we took a sample survey of even our own church, or if you're listening and you have a church you're a member of, and think about it, like, if you had all the adults stand in a row, I mean, could they stand up and, and talk to this subject or any subject, really, that they're, I, I think probably by and large, it's avoided more than it's discussed. I would agree with that. And so maybe through this, if, if there's any logic in anything that we talk about tonight, um, hopefully it's, it's something that, you know, maybe just gives somebody a little bit of ammunition to say, you know, I, I'm either emboldened by it. I want to explore this more. Um, I want to be able to be, um, you know, um, outspoken when the time is right about what I believe and, and that it's not just a fairy tale that I believe in that people are going to make fun of. I'll tell you kind of a story a few years ago probably five or six years ago now, I was at this uh, convention and um, with all these business partners that we worked with. And a girl who worked for me, she used to live in Kentucky and she was talking about how she was back in Kentucky and they'd gone to the Ark Encounter. And one of our business partners, um, one of the most successful guys in the business, very kind of pompous, he, um, he walked up and he's like, oh, you're talking about like Noah's Ark, like Bible, like, you know, the fairy tales and the nursery rhymes or nursery themes. Like you're talking about something in the Bible. Like he went to that, like it was like the most ridiculous thing he'd ever heard. Right. And I, I looked at him and I won't use his name, but I just said, I said, you know, it's funny that you view it that way. I said, because when I read the Bible, I was like, I look at it as a, a historically accurate record 
of humankind. And I was like, and the, the evidences are so profound, right? I was like, I, I, don't, I don't look at the Bible and, and think that this is fairy tales. I look at this and say, man, this must be truth. And I'd love to talk to you about that. And he immediately shut the conversation down. He was like, whoop, I'm way over my head. I don't want to get into this because he obviously knew that I was prepared yeah. to have a conversation about it. And then he just bailed out and was gone. We didn't talk again at the whole convention. He wanted to avoid it. The truth is probably most people who will stand against it other than maybe a few TikTok clips. I've got a little bit of ammunition here. I saw a funny TikTok for 90 seconds and I've got I've got ammunition against the Bible or against whatever. They, they don't really have anything. They've not studied the Bible. Yeah. How could they speak against it authoritatively? Well, yeah. They haven't made it their own. Just like, unfortunately, a lot of Christians haven't made it their own mm. in a way where they can give an articulate response to someone who, hey, listen, there's articulate people out there on both sides. There are people who know how to formulate an argument know how to degrade people um, and back people in corners. And that's not what we're looking to do. But what we are looking to do is, like you said, give ammunition to people out there who believe in the Bible, who want answers to these questions that, quite frankly, the world is telling you what they think the answer is. But we have the correct answer. And we we would love to kind of go through it and kind of see the differences between the creation argument and the evolutionary argument. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe take us through because it all starts obviously in the beginning, right? These are the two accounts, if you will, I'm using air quotes accounts of how things got started, right? Evolutionists will say out in the void of whatever, something happened and there was an explosion, the big bang. And now we have elements needed to be able to evolve millions, billions of years, here we are, right? Happy accidents. Um, On the other side of that, you have creationism that says an intelligent being, God, created everything and everyone you've ever seen. And because of the intelligent design that we see in things, it points back to the creator versus the happy accident. Right. Yeah, it's it's an interesting starting point. And sorry, Tom. No, you're good. because it's interesting, like when you think about, like I've had people tell me before, well, if you believe in creation, like you have to believe in miracles and, and just, you know, this crazy idea that, you know, God existed um, before there was anything. But the truth is, if you believe in some big bang theory or that gasish material and something somehow came into existence billions of years ago, you're believing a miracle as well. Right. Right. Where did where did all that come from? Right. And and when you and then when you look at like the tenets of evolution, it's it's based on chaos. Right. There's no order in it. You know, this mutated that happened. We've never observed it. It's not, uh, you know, an observational science, but this is what must have happened in this chaotic state of the world or whatever to create order. But that is that is the, the most illogical beginning point to any theory that yeah. through chaos order was formed and then maintained i mean then why don't we observe that today i mean if i take every stop sign out of the world and we just start driving around the roads and it's complete chaos it doesn't become orderly it gets worse yeah right i mean it's like in everything you observe it, you when you you in you enter chaos but that's the theory the logic behind evolution so my first conversation would be like, well, where did, where did that stuff come from? I mean, even, even if it was billions of years ago, where, where did that come from? Like everything that we've ever observed started with something 
you, you know, matter cannot create itself. Right. Right. Um, we were talking right before we started, I, and I meant to look up the reference. I don't have his name. Next time we do apologetics, I'll give him credit. But there was a doctor who was giving a series of lectures, and he was talking about space, time, and matter. Every, everything that we know is, is based on the tenets of space, time, matter. Um, but to be able to create order within those parameters, something had to have done it. Where did it start, right? Something outside of space, outside of time, outside of matter must have been able to create it so that it could exist and be orderly, right? Well, you can say that was an accident, which we still have never gotten to an origin point. Or I can tell you that in, in my Bible, it tells me that there's a God in heaven who spoke it into existence. It seems easier to believe that there's a God in heaven who does operate outside space, time, and matter in supernatural ways, miraculous ways, unexplained phenomenal ways to create versus I have no way to justify the origin story in evolution. Yeah. And well, one of the ways I love to, uh, I, I personally love to bring this up is I'll, I'll, I'll tell somebody, okay, so let's say we go get a, a Walmart watch, right? A $5 watch from Walmart. And we, we break it down into all of its base components and just smash everything with a hammer. And I put it all in a Ziploc bag together. I'm like, and then I smash it against the wall real hard. I'm obviously going to get a, a $100,000 Rolex out of that. How many times would you have to smash against the wall before it became a watch again? Right. So, and I just, what, kind of with what you're saying, like even the pieces of the watch that got smashed, somebody had to initially create those pieces. So if you're going to believe that there was this matter that existed that somehow m was drawn to itself and managed to collide, 100%. That something had to create the matter. One of my favorite um, exercises that I do with the youth when we go through this piece um, is we look at artwork. Like we put on the screen, we look at all this art that's been created um, by masters, you know, portraits that people would look at and say, that's amazing. You know, and, and no one's ever looked at it and said, man, you know, just what happened here? You know, just some paints just must have flown around and hit this, you know, somehow created this beautiful, you know, uh, painting that everybody reveres. It's not possible. And then, and then what I have them do is they have little clipboards and piece of paper and pencils. And I, not everybody's a good artist, but draw, you know, to the best of your ability, anything that you like to draw, anything at all, draw your cat, draw an island, draw whatever, right? Anything pretty at all, right? They draw it. And then I have them take it and throw it in the middle of the floor, pencils, paper, throw it all there, right? Throw in the middle of the floor. The whole time we have one student outside the door, right? And then we turn the lights off and we ask that student to come in and tell us what happened in this room, right? And no one has ever said, well, out of nothing formed a pencil and created a drawing that landed here, right? I mean, it's, it's obvious when you look at it, there's, there is a painter, there is a designer, there is an author, there is something that had to create this order because it cannot happen on accident. I think, I think we as people and especially Christians, we have to get very comfortable with the supernatural part of this conversation and just in the world that we live in, right? I think a lot of people who look at this argument and they'll say, oh, the fairy tales, oh, you're talking about X, Y, and Z, like kind of what you said before. They fail to realize the world they live in. They're kind of choosing to live in this bubble where 
there's no there's no there's no spiritual realm right there's nothing before or after everything's a happy accident it's it's lights out when we're done and i feel like it's it's so short-sighted very naive to think that way when there, i mean there's obvious obviously things above our capacity to understand there's obviously things that we don't know about this universe there's obviously things questionable about what happens after you die what happens what happened before all this was here I think a lot of people are scared. A lot of non-believers are scared to really dive in and think about, okay, what, how, where did this all come from? What's the implication? And what does that right. mean? Well, this is, a, this is probably a, um, a podcast from their time when we talk about like the existence of God and talking through um, how you defend that without using the Bible. Right. right. But what you're speaking to here, again, are laws of order and logic. Well, where does that come from? I mean, if it is all just accident and there's nothing before and nothing after then why is it wrong to murder someone that I don't like? Or why is it wrong to do, I mean, why is it wrong to do anything? What makes it right? What makes it wrong, right? And where does any order come from? Why can I just do anything that I want to do? You know, where does any moral compass come from at all? We'll talk about that another time to get into that. But yeah, I mean, the origin is God, right? Is what we're talking about here versus, you know, his, what his word tells us that he created perfectly, by the way, you know, versus the exact opposite. There is no God, and this was an accident of chaos. Oh, and uh, when, you, when, you look at, when you look at issues of morality, at, at one time, and I'm going to op- argue in the opposite direction now, um, at one time, mankind was much less civilized, sure. and at one time, we did not have the convictions that we have today when you look at the the evolutionary um curve i guess we would call it so as we've evolved we've come to better define those things is what the argument may be like we're seeing less and less of those type of violent events because we've evolved as a people I would say if you looked at the world lens today, if you watch the nightly news at all, if you could stomach it, I don't think we're seeing less violence or less brokenness or less pain. Or I, I, I think we're seeing the opposite of that. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know what era of time you're referring to. No, no, in, I, I, understand what you, I understand curve. what you're saying. But that, so that's one of the things that I've heard, like, well, people are getting better. Like we're, we're, we're becoming more and more aware of ourselves and all this kind of stuff. And I, I think one of the things that uh, people that believe in evolution and what, one of the questions that we have written down for this is like, why are we haven't even having this conversation? Right. Uh, and w- Ryan actually touched on this a little bit before we did get started is if there's not a God to answer to because we evolved from nothing, then what it now we're not evolving physically. Now we're evolving in a mental and intelligence capacity, which is allowing us to redefine ourselves according to how we feel in the moment. So while there's no physical evolution currently, the argument is that intellectually we've evolved past a point that holds us within the bounds of our physicality. Interesting that you would think about in this, again, air quoting, can't see it, there's no camera here, but air quoting this enlightened, woke 
era that we're in. So we're exploring our intellectual capital, our, our ability to think beyond you know, what we can physically do and to evolve and become superior. Yet as that happens, there's more mental illness um, and more issues, uh, confusion about gender um, and what love is and all these things that you would think if you were evolving into a more superior beings on the earth that you would have clarity if you were moving in a progression, you know, upward, but yet that's the confusion is running rampant today. Um, and again, not trying to use the Bible, but that again, when you look at that, you look at that and say, well, again, this confusion that comes from our own efforts, right? If, if mankind took a real look at the history that we can, we can look back on and, and record, every time that man felt like they were doing great and doing better, they were going to rid the world of inferior beings, mm -hmm. right? Hitler. Millions of Jews killed, right? It, the result is never this great positive yeah. thing. It shows that when we're left to our own constructs, chaos does take off within our own capability. When we move away from reliance that, that there is a God who is our solution, right, for a life that has purpose, uh, for an eternity beyond this life, when we, when we leave that, then chaos does ensue. And so I guess logically it makes sense. Like if I want to reject that there's a God, if I want zero accountability to a supreme being, then it would be easy for me to believe a theory of chaos. Right. Because when I'm left to my own mind, it's chaos. There's no order. So we, we're big bang. So let's talk about the evolutionary process, right? Um, became from the big bang, all these organisms and cells and everything just it. existed there in some kind of ooze that formed at some point. And then at, a, a cell decided, you know what, I'm, I'm going to split and become multiple cells. And then I'm going to, my multiple cells are going to drag themselves up out of the ooze and get up on land with from goo to you. <laughs> right. Um, and we, we become a more than a single celled organism, but not quite a, a species yet an animal yet something that would be identified. And, um, there's, there's the concept of the tadpole phase at some point. Right. <laughs> um, and then we decide, and then we decide, because these cells have somehow managed to think for themselves. And I decide as a cell that, you know what? It kind of stinks dragging myself around on the ground down here. I'm going to to grow myself an appendage. Oh, you're, you're talking about the bacteria, um, tadpole, frog, lizard, yeah. snake, bird, fish, people. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. That exists. Um, well, be because at some point I wanted to grow myself an appendage and then one really wasn't enough. I noticed that, hey, multiple appendages would probably be pretty cool. And so I just grew them. Uh, from there, I decided, and I could probably use some of my appendages to grab a hold of things. But in order to do that, 
I'm going to have to make a decision. Do I want to continue to use two of my appendages as something to walk on? Or can I use just two and have the other two to grab a hold of things? Smart. So smart of you. Well, I'm an intelligent being. I'm evolving. So from there, I it, it's getting a little colder in the world. My, my skin is not enough. I'm going to grow some hair. I'm going to grow some hair. So I grow some hair. And uh, I'm standing up right now. And I'm thinking to myself, I bet, you I bet you it's a lot more comfortable sleeping up in that tree than it is down here on the ground. Probably safer, too. I wouldn't have all these other animals who just don't seem to be evolving at the same rate that I'm evolving. I'm, I'm obviously a better species to begin with. Um, I drag myself up onto the land first. Um, so I start sleeping up in the trees. After a while, that doesn't get comfortable because now there's predators that are coming after me in the trees. So I, I evolve a little bit more. It's getting kind of uncomfortable to, to be stooped over like this all the time. And I don't really need to use my front appendages to intermittently walk and grab a hold of things as much. So I'm just going to stand straight up. You should have evolved wings so you could just fly away. You missed out there, man. If I, could, if I knew that that was an option, I probably would have taken it. And I say all this thing like it, it, they, it just sounds absolutely ridiculous. And I, I, there are some key points that, that I, I'm sure I'm leaving out um, as far as the evolutionary steps. But at some point, I reach Homo sapiens. And I no longer need all the hair that I have because I've learned how to make my own clothing and I no longer have to sleep underneath the stars because now I've moved from stars to tree to cave to building my own buildings. And uh, now my intelligence just continues to evolve. I can build better buildings. I, I have made fire. Um, so my intelligence just continues to evolve. And now I am where I am today. And there, there are key things that I've skipped over, but that's, that's the general idea. And the reason why mankind has been able to do all these things is because we developed a thought process sooner than all the other animals. So they're on their way. They could be. The lizard people could be a real thing. <laughs> well, this is, this is the, I, I mean, there's a lot of really interesting ideas here in this, what you've said, but. You know, if you follow back kind of this theory, and, and, and let me say two things real quick here. The theory of evolution is a theory. Correct. Again, created in the 1800s, around 1835, first published, right? Mm -hmm. So we're not talking about, you know, thousands and thousands of years of belief system here. So it's this fairly new belief system. Even from a standpoint of a biblical history, a world about 6,000 years old, just over, Right. You talk about what, 175 years? I mean, yeah. you know, 190 years? I mean, I mean, relative in percentage, it's pretty small. Percentage of the time to believe this kind of thing, right? It took us 6,000 years to figure out that the world was billions of years old. Crazy. Um, but you, you, you think about it, and it's like in the theory, they'll say, well, in these different stages of the world, you know, when we, we were going through this ice age or that ice age, whatever, there's something cataclysm, cataclysmic happened on the world and on the earth, and that created this environment where we saw rapid uh, development of evolution. Like this is one of the tenets of it, right? And there was mm -hmm. this, this period yeah. where it was just like so rapid, and all these species were formed, they started evolving like crazy. 
But when you say today, well, show me in anything that we can observe that this is happening, there are zero, zero examples of this. Well, which one is it? It happens so fast, you know, or it, or it's so slow you can't see it. I mean, like, we, again, in this theory, even any logical person that would talk through this would say, man, it, it does kind of contradict itself a bit. Um, but again, if I don't want to admit that there's a God, I probably would believe just about anything so I don't have to admit it, right? Because I, I like the idea of not being responsible yeah. to anyone other than myself, right? And part of the... As an evolutionist... I'm not, I wouldn't be worried about global warming. We'll, we'll adapt to it. We'll, and the people that will, are unable to adapt to it will just natural selection. die off. It's the survival of the fittest, natural selection. So, and, and it's, it's crazy to me, though, that as evolutionists, they, they seem to be the most concerned about global warming, well, that just sounds like a great opportunity for exponential change of the species. If we were an evolved species that had learned over millions of years that through chaos we survive and get better, then why wouldn't it be in our DNA to not worry about stuff like this? Yeah. Right? The fact that you worry about it, again, proves the existence that there's a God because you realize that outside of myself, something's going on here that I cannot control and I need help. Right? And it seems wrong. Yeah. Yeah, and it's built in me somewhere. You know, when I read my Bible, I know why that is. Right. Right? You were created that way. But again, if there's no God, then why does that make any sense? You know, wouldn't, wouldn't evolution stand you up in, in superiority to it? Right. No, I well, think you're absolutely right. I think that if you look back, you know, in the 1800s, you have, you know, Charles Darwin, kind of the one who really lifted it up and, and made it this big public thing, right? Later in his life, he even renounced it. So you have someone who, you know, over his lifetime really propagated this kind of nonsense of how we were, we just said it, right? How we came to be, which then later in his life, he was like, I, I can't prove any of this. This doesn't make any sense. Yeah, he's doubling, he's doubling down the fact that it's a theory Yeah, um, and that there is nothing in observational science, which is the only science we can trust. I said a minute ago there was two things I want to talk about here. The other thing is this. There is not two sets of evidence, yeah. one for creation, one for evolution. There is one set of evidence. We're talking about the same things, the same facts, the same things we can observe, and then looking at it through the lens of there is no God, evolution, or we have a biblical worldview, there is a God. Does, it, does one seem to offer a better solution for why we see what we see? Right. Same evidence. Right. And I think that's the biggest part where we get hung up as Christians. Well, let me argue what my Bible says. Well, let's let's just talk about what we see. You know, why do we see fossil records in layers of rocks? Why do we see an evolutionist can look at that and say, well, that that shows you that over this, you know, million years or 100 million years, it just the conditions of the earth and you know this this rock layer was laid down and that's why we see those fossils in that rock layer and then and then over the next million years above that then this happened and that's why you see these fossils in the in the record so you look at that and if you're taught that as a kid and you have no biblical reference you probably would take that it, it, it's a reasonable again without being church or understanding that there's a god who created it's a reasonable understanding 
But then when I read my Bible and I look at a historical record of the flood, yeah, right, and where we know that the the waters opened up, and not to dive too deep into the you know canopy and all that, but the water came from above, it came from the side, it came from below. The way it's written, it was like they had never seen rain before. Like, what is yeah. this? You know, and um, it, it it they have studied this in science before. Like when great lakes have given way from their dam and they and they go into canyons that are formed below them, they see this in in micro scale. We're talking about worldwide flood, but in a micro scale. They see that all of this destruction that happens and trees getting laid down by sediment and with the right amount of pressure and heat or whatever temperature in time, quickly, it'll form fossilization and see yeah. you will see things in a smaller scale that we see globally. Again, if you look at it through the biblical lens and we say, I, I think the flood explains why we see what we see. Yeah. It makes sense. You know, the, the, the waters opened up from below, sediment covered sea creatures. The, the land dwelling mammals ran as high as they could, but as the water rose, so did some of the sea creatures. They were, that's why you find seashells on top of mountains. That's why, I mean, again, if I look at it logically, I've got this billions of years theory that I can't really wrap my mind around because there's nothing we observe that says it, but yet I have this account and from a historic document, the Bible and other other parabiblical documents written, you know, historically that talk about global floods. There's a lot of supporting evidence. A lot of support, right? Why would we not just trust the history that our own people have recorded? Why, why would we not trust the history that we can read and then we can observe in small canyon areas rather than this idea that cannot be founded? Well, we, you just can't really know. What, what can't you know? I can know, Tom. I, 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 you just can't really know why why these layers formed the way that they did. Well, and you, which is what makes but, it a theory, right? But you you can't know, right? You're absolutely right. You 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 can't know, but what you can do is look at proofs of it, and then you can gain that knowledge. But you can't know in and of yourself, and that's what that's what evolution tries to explain to us is no, whatever you think may be right, like we don't really know. But we just know it's not God. Which is a very arrogant thing to say, right? Now, granted, none of us were there 5,000 years ago, 5,500 years ago when this happened. So we, you know, obviously we can't say we observed this and this is, we know for a fact this is how it happened. The same thing is true for evolution, right? Everything that they're quoting and saying this is how it happened, we're probably going to get into carbon dating here sometime soon. But it's just like we have, they have explanations, again, air quotes, about everything that you see in the Bible Anything that an evolutionist can tell you about how we came to where we are and why things are the way they are, I can I can point to book, chapter, verse, exactly why that is. Well, and outside of that, you can look at other scrolls and other things that are not mm -hmm. part of the canon of the Bible and other civilizations, pagan civilizations yeah. that talk about yeah. their origins after a global flood. Again, these are historical records. How do we know anything? I mean, how do we know anything existed prior to... The recording, you know, I mean, if we can't see it today, that doesn't, then we don't know. Well, no, it's not true. We have historical record. We can go yeah. back and look at it. It's validated by other para-historical records that were kept at the time. I mean, that, that's how you evidence what's happened in history. Yeah. Well, it really comes down to how you interpret evidence, right? We weren't there. You can't, you can't observe the flood. You can't observe, you know, on their side, the last ice age or whatever they say is, is the you know, why we have all these fossils and the way it all happened, right? I believe when it comes down to it and when we have the evidence presented, 
you have to be logically be able to interpret it the right way right and again the evolutionists would say you know it's all just random it's chaos um you know this is, things just kind of happened and you know we don't know why there was this ice age or you know cataclysmic event you know meteor whatever um, but it happened and this would explain this over hundreds of billions of years and we're sitting here and we're like well that's fine but i have a much simpler explanation yes it requires you to you know, admit that there's a god and and believe in these in, in a world that you can't see the supernatural world but i think it comes down to two things i think people are you kind of touched on it ryan i heard a, sec- a second ago but they're ignorant they 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 have no foundation of the bible or church in their lives and they're they're being taught the opposite they just don't know what they don't know now you can only use that excuse for so long the other side of that is they're arrogant where they are choosing the path that doesn't require them to be accountable to an all-powerful god yeah this is where they can and you said it before where they can do whatever they want they are their own god Hmm. they they will neglect reason to feel superior, to, to feel like they have "quote unquote" freedom, to not be subject to a higher being. Right. I think, I think you fall into those two categories if you're on that side. You can't escape it. You're one of those two categories. And if I'm not the apex predator, then something is higher than me. And if, as a humanist or an evolutionist, I believe that I am the epitome of accomplishment, of knowledge, of evolution. I'm the the perfect exemplar of evolution this is this is as good as it gets this is as good as it gets that's horrible right right you know it's interesting because when you we were talking earlier about you know the history of like evolution where the idea comes from and we know darwin's uh, you know he's he's credited with the with the theory of evolution published in 1835 and 37 he wrote about it i sent you guys this this text earlier just kind of give some preface but there he was taught and read papers from a gentleman named edward blythe and so you're somewhere around 1810 1815 edward blythe is is starting to think through this idea of natural selection it, darwin didn't think through that so he he gets credited a lot of times for natural selection the idea that it's not his thing edward blythe published it 22 years before anything ever was even said about evolution and what Edward, if you go back I and mean, you go back and study it, if you're listening to this, just look up Edward Blythe, 1810, 1813, something like that, and look it up. When he was publishing papers about this, what he was talking about was through the lens that there is a creator God, and he was looking at plant life and animal life. And his only conclusion was that there is natural selection within a species, but that the species must have been created by a master designer. And it, he attributed it to the almighty God. And it was after that, shaping Darwin's views, when Darwin took the paper and said, hey, I can get behind this to an extent, right? Like, I I believe that, yeah, things change or can change. And he started making that jump, removing God from the equation and saying, I think we can make jump out of our species into a different species, become something entirely new. Now, again, anyone listening to this, there are zero examples, and you could spend a lifetime looking for, there is zero examples ever of a species changing from its DNA to different DNA. Yeah. Ever. It's never happened. It's never been observed. Right. There's no record of it. That's why there's so many holes, and evolutionists will say, well, we just don't know that part of it. Well, you don't know it because it doesn't exist. 
we just haven't found it yet, right? Yeah, yeah. And, like, well, well, and, and so they look at the fossil record, and they're like, well, hey, look at this skeleton we found. It looks kind of half ape, kind of half human. Let me tell you what. I got a gnarly shaped head. I have a little bit of hair left, but someday when this is all gone and, and this skull is found in the earth, if the Lord prevails, they're going to look at that, and they're going to be like, this was an alien. Like, they're going to look at my skull and say, <laughs> man, this must have been, he must have visited us from somewhere else, you know? Facts. I've got a weird shape. I, I shaved it once. It was a big mistake. You know, I don't know what I'm going to do. Toupee? I'm not sure when I get older. <laughs> well, I can't even imagine what that looks like right now. But but you can observe, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like you can you can yeah. observe people. I mean, you ever like like looked at people like when we study this with the kids and I and I tell them not to be judgy, but like think about all the different size and shapes of people that you see in your school and your family yeah. and wherever you go. And, and, you know, we see dwarfed people. We see very tall people. We see wide people. You know, we see deep people, whatever. I'm trying to be nice here. But no, you, see, I, you see all kinds of weird shapes of people, people that are born with uh, disfigurations, people that, you know, a lot of different things. Sometimes people were buried with bones of their animal that they loved the most. Yep. Yeah. Right. And so then they excavate those bones. They're like, oh, these all must go together. Right. Oh, this was a half horse man. It's a centaur. I mean, it's just like. Again, you know, you're forcing illogical ideas into something that doesn't make sense. Well, and you take into account the flood account, right? Because it's it's one of the great explanations for a lot of these things. And people will say that, you know, creationists and Christians use that as a crutch. But it's not a crutch. It's a logical explanation. Why is this ape skull here with all these human bones? Well, what if the earth got turned upside down and a, an ape bones that were five miles away from there got smacked down on top of these human bones and it crushed the skull of the human and a lot of the ape and human bones got mixed up together and th those were the things that were left it, that's that's not hypothesis like we we can show that the earth split and turned up over on itself the bible tells us that's what happened so i don't need to come up with some kind of fancy explanation that this is a new species the bible gives me an explanation of how that occurred but we want to sit and figure out because we're obviously smarter than god that 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 couldn't possibly be it we obviously came from this person well what do you do with examples of like uh, just over years and years, like hundreds of years of inbreeding in a culture where they start having these really weird deformities. Right. You know what I mean? Because there's no, there's nothing new coming into the gene pool and you have these just abnormal sure. things that happen. And it, it all goes back to, you know, our, our DNA was corrupted once sin entered, entered, entered into the world, right? So we're steadily degrading over time, right. a, a completely opposite of the evolutionists sure. um, where who will say we're constantly getting better. Right. Uh, but yeah, those things are going to happen a hundred percent. I agree that like you, you found a deformed human being. Obviously that was Cro-Magnon man. The, the, you mentioned DNA a minute ago, the deeper, the deeper we get into DNA and understand it, the more complex it becomes. Yeah. And the more we realize like, how could this have possibly happened by accident? So right. it, yeah, it's it's more complex than any software yeah. that we've yeah. ever even imagined to develop. There's even studies um, that came out even in the last three years where they've tried to, you know, in, in this current age of being able to like splice stuff and, and there's I think that's demonic anyway, but they're messing around with DNA and they're messing around with like, okay, what if we take this sheep DNA and we take, you know, a couple helixes out of here and we throw in a alligator or whatever. Let, let's see what happens. We have unfortunately we have the tools to do this now. And it fails. Right. You can't do it. And I'm telling you. Almost you, like it was designed not to plug into each other. 
the best way to look at it, the best, and it, it's a perfect analogy, the best way to look at it, it's a closed circuit. Right. You, it doesn't work when you open it up and start throwing foreign components in it. The whole system fails. You, you, you don't see it. You don't see it anywhere. You don't see in the fossil record going forward. You don't see any jump from species to species. Never going to find it. And even now, right? Why don't you see half ape and half, you know, man people walking around now? Or or not even like, you know, homo sapiens. Why, why don't you see half snake, half bird thing, you know, crawling around on the beach? Right. A snurd. Yeah, or yeah. Why don't why don't we have any ever recorded of that throughout human history? But what we do observe is natural selection, and I was telling you guys before, like again in the, in the series that we do with the youth, I tell them I said, think about like the let's just say the flood is real. I mean, the flood happens. The ark lands one of every kind of creature. Yeah. So let's just for the sake of argument, let's say that the wolf was the was the dog type. Okay, yep. it's the canine, yeah. which, I th- which I think is fair. Wait, yeah. Noah didn't take every type of dog on the. Never mind, I won't get into yeah. that. And so species. So yeah. let's say so. Let's say we have a species. We have a canine, right? Um, and as more and more land becomes available, mm-hmm. it's you know it's reproducing and it's spreading out. And so now you look at you look at the dogs. You look at the breeds of dogs. You have Chihuahuas. You have Huskies. About the opposite ends. About where you could be. Right. But you don't see Chahuskies, right, or Hawawas or whatever, right? Or let's just let's just go down the road here. Natural selection, just for a minute. Let's say this. Yeah. Let's say that a husky and a Chihuahua breed, and they have they do have baby Chahuskies, okay? And then I take half the litter and I throw them up in Canada, right? Mm-hmm. And then I take the other half and throw them down in Mexico, and they start breeding. What do you think is going to happen? Like down in Mexico in the deserts, the smaller ones that have that set of DNA that can get underneath whatever shrubbery you can find, can drink less water, doesn't need as much, doesn't need a thick coat, whatever, they're going to survive. Right. Right. And eventually, and they've proven this, like in about a hundred year period, you have a new breed of a dog, a pure breed. Right. Because over time, only the ones that can survive are going to survive. And then up in the opposite culture or the opposite climate, you're going to have the, the larger dogs that that you know can eat and store more fat they have a thicker coat and they're going to survive and in time they're going to work out all those chihuahua genes yeah right and then you're going to have pure breeds but if you go into their dna and test them all guess what they all have wolf genes right? yeah they're the same species yeah they all have wolf dna that has never changed yeah right and, and that's and that's the thing too like when you find the fossil records and, they, and the more and more we know about dna and the, the deep oh hey we found this fossil record we think this is two billion years old or whatever 150 million years old and they they can start to get into that material and, and try to test it and figure out what it is and every time apes has ape dna and humans have human dna and there is none that's blended none zero yeah i mean science proved that proves that it doesn't work like right. i said it's a closed circuit you might be able to change certain components within the circuit, right? You're going to have different components. There's different kind of cats, different kind of birds, different kind of dogs, depending on climate. I'm not arguing that that micro evolution doesn't exist. We have 100% seen that different climates. The most extreme is the one you gave, right? For you have like a northern animal that develops a coat. That stuff exists 100%. God gave animals, and by the way, us the ability to adapt to their environment to be able to thrive. Yeah. That is a God given, that's a gift. Right. 
right? Not not and just not only that we get to benefit from, but most things on the planet. You you see that time and time again. But what you don't see is, uh, you know, something that doesn't have much hair or smaller up in Canada decide. You know what? I'm gonna be. I'm gonna. I'm gonna start. You know. I'm gonna grow a. I'm gonna grow a. A different kind of coat. I'm a polar bear, and I'm going to turn into a polar bear yeah. or a bear, right? It it, ha- it has to be within the confines of the original DNA structure for that species, right? It has to, and, and I and I love that because you can call it microevolution. What what I like to call it. This is not a technical term. Is God kind of reaching in there and pulling out the beneficial traits of that DNA strain, right? Because when you think about it he designed it that way. And if he needs to reach in there and pull out the white coloration in a moth, because this moth now lives in an environment where all the trees have white bark on them all the time versus, you know, the Northwest where most of the trees have brown bark and that it used to be a brown moth over time. I I firmly believe that God kind of pulls out those DNA traits where it, each new generation has less of the brown in it and more of the white because he preserves his species, his creation. And and if you think about it from the lens of non-God, right? Like, okay, so all the DNA that that moth ever had is still in it. Right. Right. And the ones that kept surviving were the ones that could blend into their environment. Mm -hmm. And so the ones that had the darker brown wings or whatever, they kept getting eaten. Right you know, my spiders, whatever else, uh-huh. the white ones survived. And so as they kept reproducing, right. guess what? Those, those, it, we get in all kinds of yeah. like gene it's, considerations. It's, sure. it's, it's, sure. no, it's no you different know. moth than the moth that was brown. It just, and, it know, just, that, it's yeah. just there now because it survived because it wasn't a target. Sure. Um, right. But that uh, moth I, can't yeah. turn into a blue jay. No. And or or because beetle. it's quicker or yeah or whatever or, right you know what I mean like it'd be great that'd be like, awesome if that's the way it worked but it just e- simply doesn't e- even within the same like as a bug yeah. that moth can't just decide oh you know what it's going to be better for me to survive if I were an ant I'd be smaller I'd be mm-hmm. less of a target like it doesn't even have to decide to change its in, its entire the entire order of things it can't even decide to say I'm not going to have wings anymore. Well, you know, and people will bring up like tadpoles to frogs or caterpillars to butterflies, that kind of thing. But again, the DNA never changes. Yeah, that's correct. All, it has all the same source DNA it always had. Yep. It was designed to do that, right? And that's the key word, right? Designed. It wasn't an accident that a tadpole turns into a frog. It's not an accident that a caterpillar turns into a butterfly. These things were designed by the creator, just like the cosmos, just like you and I. Everything that's ever been and ever will be is designed by God. You know what one of my favorite arguments about this is? Because I like numbers. So most scientists will agree that, and for a long time they have, and I know modern time we've slowed down the reproduction rate of humans, right? Many, many big countries with large populace have said, hey, you can only have two kids or one kid only, which is super dangerous for them in the future. And they're paying for it. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's, that's a whole other conversation. Um, but most scientists would agree, historically, every 40 years, through famine, disease, whatever, the world's population would double. Mm-hmm. Okay? You, you can look this up, okay? And what I like is one of these books that I've been studying, which is a Ken Ham and some other guys that talk about it, and they're like, well, let's just say every 150 years. Like, let's, let's just get radical and say almost at a four times slower pace, the population of the world doubles every 150 years. And so we look like right now we have like, you know, 
eight billion people, eight point eight and a half, let's just say mm-hmm. eight and a half billion people, right? And so if you started doing the math on that, say, okay, well, if it doubles, I can start dividing by two and keep going backwards through this segment every 150 years. Well, if you do that math to get down to six people who were reproducing, okay, all right, eight to six people, it's about 4,800 years total, okay? Yeah. The flood happened about 4,800 years ago. Yeah. 45 to 4,600 years. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's a great evidence. But then if you look at the other way and you say, well, okay, there was no great flood. And humans have been a species, they say, for like millions of years. But what if we just said 50,000 years? Yeah. 50, let's just say 50,000 years. Like, let's, let's say that we didn't evolve into humans until about 50,000 years ago. Okay. If I do the same math at a 150-year clip doubling instead of 40 years, so much slower, you know how many people would be on the earth right now? I know the number. I, I couldn't even, I'm not even going to It guess. is a number that you can't even describe because it's a one with 100 zeros behind it. That's how many people would be on the earth at the known observed doubling population rate. Right. Okay. Slowed down by a quarter. Okay. It would be so many that... The Earth, with its gravitational force, could not handle the load of that many persons on it. Mm. It would collapse. It would implode, right? It, it could not handle that weight. Right. And then, and then the other question is, okay, so where are all those skeletons? If that happened, you, you told me millions. I'm just saying 50,000. Yeah. One twentieth. You know, like, where are all those skeletons? Right. We'd be walking around on skeletons. I mean, it'd be everywhere. Again, yeah. a one followed by a hundred zeros. I don't even know what that mm-hmm. number is. It's a Googleplex. I mean, it's, it's I a number. It's a, Google. yeah. it's a number that you cannot even yeah. fathom. You it, know what I'm saying? It almost yeah. seems like it's ridiculous. The age of human beings, from a biblical point standpoint, yeah. was by intelligent design. Because right. otherwise, we would all have imploded by now. If, right. it, like you said, if it was even fifty thousand years. Um. It, it th- those are those are really interesting numbers. Like I can't even. Well, well, the, the evidence. The point is this: if you follow it back mathematically, even that supports this idea that something happened about forty five hundred years ago, between mm-hmm. forty five hundred five thousand yeah. years ago, which we have a historical record saying a flood happened. And then if you have to accept that and say, okay, something like that must have happened, right? There must have been a restart or something then it kind of leans you into that, you know, well, then I guess the Bible does kind of talk about that. If that's truth, then I must start accepting this idea that they're, maybe the rest of it's true. Yeah. And so people will absolutely turn their back from it. And you read in several accounts in the New Testament, uh, in the Old Testament, people doing what's vain in their own imagination, yeah. uh, all of its vanity, it's wicked, it's evil. We kind of live in that era now, right, where I want to reject all things that would point to God at all. And, and the Bible describes it as um, that God turns them over to their own mm-hmm. delusion, right? Like you, you won't believe what's so evident in front of you. And God says, okay, I'm no longer going to then push truth on you. Right. Right. And, and you can just live with the consequences of it. And the consequences are Darwin reads a paper that points to God, omits God. He creates a theory which now becomes taught in schools, right? And, and from the time that he starts teaching it to 100 years later, radical ideas start coming out of this idea that, well, if we've evolved out of chaos, then 
who's to say that my race is not more superior than your race? Yeah. But the, the, the real evil of evolution, the reason you should hate evolution more than anything else is the byproduct of racism. Yeah. Racism fully, fully comes out of the idea that there is no God and we've evolved, right? That's why one person would be better than another and it's evil and it's wicked. If you have no other reason, reject it for that reason. Yeah. Because when you get into the DNA, this will be my last point. Okay? When, you, when you get into the DNA of people, of humans, you take me, you take you know, some uh, Indian guy out of the jungle, you take some guy from Africa, you take whoever, like all the different colors, you know, Jesus loves all the people, you know, red and yellow, yeah. black and white, whatever yeah. the song is, right? You take all of them, you show them their DNA, 99.6% of our DNA is exactly the same exactly the same mm-hmm. and it's that that point four the other side is the thing that makes like an eye color the difference there the texture of your lips big or small um the the uh, uh what's the in your skin that makes it darker light um, pigment pigment of your skin yeah, melanin. Yeah, it, yeah yeah melanin that's what i was going for and all these things that you look at and it's like you know it's such a small fraction of what we're made of we, we are the same people there's yeah. no doubt about it no doubt but yet, no doubt. I'll reject it because I don't want to admit there's a God. And that that's the core. That's the core of evolution, right? Yeah. It, if I can believe anything other than God and thereby justify all of my actions or every thought that may come into my head, that makes more sense to me than having to admit that there's a God. Even though there's all these biblical proofs, even though the more historical evidence we find, it doesn't prove portions of the Bible wrong. It always winds up proving them right. The more scientific evidence that we stumble across, air quotes, right? It winds up proving things in the Bible right, not contradicting them. Not They actually contradict older scientific theses. And, but then if I believe any of that, I would have to believe there's a God and I reject that thought entirely. So I'm going to believe in evolution because it's more convenient for me. You know, what's worse than that is professing to be a Christian. God created, but I also believe in evolution. They're out there. That happens. Because he couldn't have possibly done it with just speaking. Right. And it's like the idea of, well, maybe God created, maybe he did do it in six days. And he created, and then everything left, left him to their own devices, and yeah, here yeah, we are. And for, yeah. But let me tell you this, unequivocally, with an absolute authority on God's word, you cannot believe that. Right. That is a lie straight from the devil, because there cannot be death before sin. There cannot be. God created mm. perfectly. It was very good, or as I would tell the youth, super awesome, awesome. It yeah. was amazing. Yeah. Right? death because of sin because if that's not the order if death just existed in chaos and whatever then what was it that jesus had to come and die for what yeah the 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 wages of sin is death the penalty for rejecting god is the separation from him right you're choosing to live life without god and so the result is you're going to spend eternity without god and something had to happen something had to change and jesus came but he created perfectly. So you cannot believe in creation, a perfect creation of God. So if you don't believe, you say, well, maybe God didn't create perfectly. Well, then you got to throw the whole Bible in the garbage. Right. Your whole faith. There's no reason. Everything to believe you in believe is now in the garbage. Yeah. Right. You, you cannot. You cannot have John three sixteen without Genesis one one. Yeah. Absolutely.
Right. And well, yeah, if you believe anything in the, in the Bible, and especially these big, you know, salvation, origin, destiny, right? What we call here, like what happens after you die, heaven, hell. If, if any of these things contradict, you have a problem. You, right. you have a big problem. What are you teaching? Then how is anything you are saying considered valid by anybody? Right. You, you are preaching a contradiction every time you open your mouth. I've literally had the argument before someone said to me, I worked for a Canadian company for a short period years and years ago, and I was up in Canada with them and this Canadian guy who knew everything. And he's like, well, you know, you're telling me that all the stuff you see, these mountains we were like surrounding, he's like, all this stuff, just God created that way. Like it had to take in time to form. And I was like, so you're telling me that if there was a God, just wrap your mind around this. If there was, let's just, let's just pretend there is a God for a minute, an all powerful, all knowing, non-restricted being who can do anything. There's nothing impossible. You're telling me that he couldn't create a fully mature man and a fully mature earth. He's not capable of doing those two things because if he's not, then I don't want to serve that God. Right. Right. Going back to the beginning, I want one that works outside of space, time and matter. I want one that has all authority and all power. Yeah. Right. As the Bible records that that's the God that I serve. Oh, absolutely. Amen. And I think, I think it's, in, you know, very important to be able to, you know, at this point, right. The whole, the whole point was to try to, to give people an answer to the opposition. Now, I kind of want to dial it in a little bit here. I know we've been kind of spouting off different things, which is all great, very compelling reasons for creation. But let's kind of run through a scenario, right? I mean, you talking to an unbeliever, the conversation of origin comes up. What would be kind of your rundown, you know, as we close here, what would be kind of your rundown of, hey, listen, you know, in love, right? This is how you want to present it. That's the key. How would be how how would be the way you go about it? You know, um, I, I think that when you are engaging people, and we should be, um, you need to realize that your best opportunity to really win somebody is going to be someone that you've spent time building relationship with. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I, I get these videos every now and again of you know this professor at the college, and he's just arguing with people, and, and maybe there's a you know a forum for that, maybe, um, but that's not most of our forums. Our our forum is that work. That work. I work with like 12 people pretty close or whatever, you know, and, and I'm going to get to know these people and have conversations. So you got to have this mutual respect. But I think it's so important that we're involved in people's lives before you get to the conversation um, so that when you have the conversation, you have earned at least the reputation, the respect, like they, they look at you and say, OK, well, you know, Kyle, you live your life different than I do. Or at least you, you say that you believe this and your life reflects that. So when you speak, you, you know, I, I at least I think you're convicted about what you're saying. You're not just fly by the night bag blown in the wind, you know, kind of yeah. a guy. Right. Like, you, you know, you have conviction, real conviction. So that's the starting point. It happens before you get to the conversation. Right. You cannot be a double agent Christian. You know, I'm a different person when I'm at church. Then right. you can't be double agent, right? Because then, then you can't convince anybody or have any conversation about anything. You have, you have, you have no integrity, right? So, but when you do engage it with love, like you said, every example that we see Jesus when he engages people that are in sin, always with love, right? First, but with authority too. And I think that you can look people in the eye and say, "Listen, I can respect the fact that you have have not grown up in church. You you probably have not ever thought this way, and you've been taught something." Uh, but I, I want to tell you that I don't believe that. And, and I think that it's a theory. But what, what I believe, looking at the same evidence, right, looking at fossil records, looking at, you know, depending on the level of conversation you're having with them, I believe that there's a biblical explanation for these things. And, and, and as I have tried to think through this using an open mind, 
almost every time or every time that I've gone through it, if I look at it through a lens using the historical record of the Bible, it just makes sense. And the other way is so hard for, for me to wrap my mind around. I think oftentimes too, when we talk to people, and this is maybe the art of like negotiation or whatever it is, you can say, hey, this is my preface. This is where I come from. Then shut up, right? And let them then tell you what they believe and think, because you might think that they are going to go a direction they're not, Yeah. right? They might actually be open to understanding what it is you believe and why you believe it. And I'll tell you this, we talked about this at camp. We're about a month out from camp now, back from camp. There's nothing wrong with talking about your, your testimony. You know, I believe that there's a God in heaven. I believe he created everything that we see. You know, I believe that sin entered the world. I and mean, you can talk about all the, all the things, right? But tell people your testimony. Start there. Be super vulnerable. How broken you were. How, how wicked you yeah. really are. And that there's a God that loves you. And, and left to your own merit, man, you, you are helpless. You know, and, and what you found to be truth. Because I think people can, people can identify with that. They, they may not 100% agree with your, your apologetic stance, but they can certainly agree that we are broken people who hurt and have pain. And if you can get on a common level with them, then I think if you establish those kind of bridges, you can have really any conversation with them. And if they, if they wholeheartedly disagree and you say, listen, we can agree to disagree on this thing because I love you as a person, right? And, 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 and I want you to know, Tom, Kyle, hey, we, we don't agree on this thing, but I love you. You know why I love you? Because there's a God in heaven who loved me first and showed me yeah. that love. And I want you to know that we can come to this, we can come to this table and have this conversation as often as you want. I'll try to talk through any evidences that I believe. My goal is not to convince you with logic necessarily, but to point you to a savior who loves you. And I think if you're up front with people and you have that conversation with them, they'll either one, run away from you and never talk to you again. You solve that problem, right? Or number two, they'll keep coming back to the well because it's different than anything else they're hearing. And then you have the audience. Yeah. Right? That's good. You're not gonna win them in one conversation. Likely, likely. Well, I think it's important to to say as well. You know, it's okay not to have all the answers. Yeah. Right. I, I think a lot of people, and this will be a kind of a good judge if they really want to have a conversation with you anyway. But a lot of people are just malicious. They 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 want the gotcha moment mm-hmm. instead of being genuine and trying to find real answers. Yeah. Which says a lot, right? I mean. I, you'd be a fool to argue with anybody who isn't willing to at least hear you right. and understand you, right? I would I would say you're pro- it's not even worth your time at that point, right? Exactly right. That's why it's better to re- build relationships with people right. and have conversations with people that m- have mutual respect for you. I mean, you could spend a lifetime arguing with people on Twitter and Facebook and other places, yeah. and, and you're never going to move the needle. Right. You're going to become frustrated. They're going to become agitated. All the talking heads are going to come in on each side. Everybody's going to be super polarized. What's the point? You're wasting your effort. And I can't find a biblical reason that you would ever do that anyway. That, that's not how Christ yeah. did things. You know what I mean? Like, you can't, I'm not saying he had technology. I'm just saying when he was in front of masses, he didn't operate that way. Let's just argue and fight about, you know, it, it's not an effective way to communicate the gospel of Jesus. Right. It's certainly not in love. Why, why even entertain it? Why even go down that path? Yeah, I mean... I think, like you said before, there's a time and place for debate. And there's, I think there's definitely people placed on this earth who have a deep understanding of how to do that effectively when evil persists and you have to stand up and argue it and debate it in that form. I think there's a time for that. But I would say most of us in our day-to-day lives, that's not what we're doing with other people talking about different issues, right? You need to approach it with love. If you don't know what to say, that's fine, right? Tell them your testimony. Tell them, hey, listen, I don't have all the answers, but 
hey, listen, like I, I, everything that I'm saying can be proven here in this Bible. If you, if you'd come to church with me, you know, I'd love to, you know, show you or hey, talk to my pastor. If you, if you're really curious, you know, put put the, put the burden on them. Hey, right. like gut check them. Hey, are are you are you serious? Are you about it? Are you not about it? Like, do you really are you really curious about the truth? Or are you not? Because if you are, I'd in love. I'd love to have you. I'd love to show you what has been shown to me. Yeah, and that's it. The Holy Spirit will do the rest. I think if you wanted a good line, something to the extent of, you know, I cannot believe in evolution because in order to believe it, I have to believe in all this supernatural, unexplainable things that have never been observed, right? Um, that don't even make sense with the laws of nature or laws of thermodynamics. Like, like, like you could get into that conversation, but you could tell them just say, but when we talk about things that are supernatural, miraculous, that that's what the Bible's recording. And so yeah. wh- why would I not go back to the source of where miracles and supernatural happens? It doesn't make sense. We're both believing this idea that something's happening outside of nature to for this to begin. Why would we not go to the source of an almighty God designer who has the ability to do it? Yeah. It, it, well, like logically, before, it makes no sense. Like we said before, whether they are willing to acknowledge or not, they are believing in a miracle. Right. That's right. So, I mean, I think, I mean, if you are going to go that deep in the conversation, you got to say, hey, listen, we're, we're both, you have to, we have to admit we're both on level playing ground here where we, we both have to have faith in things that we cannot see. So if you're willing to say that about evolution, the starting point that, I, that I'm advocating for, yeah. you know, an all-powerful creator that lives outside of the rules of time and space, how is that so much different from this magical tiny I, dust that, that that's a good what? that's a good uh, um approach too like hey y- if you believe in evolution you're telling me that you do believe in this kind of miraculous beginning this kind of unknown unexplainable phenomena that has happened cannot be observed i also believe in miracles and supernatural why don't you know I, i'll spend time reading whatever you want why don't you come yeah. and spend time with me yeah you know i was talking about numbers how i love numbers and looking so listen to this our commission the only plan that god gave jesus commanded us to do was to go out and teach, right? So that others would be saved, become disciples, and mm-hmm. they would go out, right? And this is the only plan. There's no plan B. It's plan A. There's only one plan, right? And so think about this. If each, everybody listening, everybody in the, everybody that's a Christian, an actual Bible-believing, you know, Christian, born-again believer, if they were to go and get engaged in one person this next year, and they became believers, and then that army went out and touched one person the next year, and so on and so forth. One each year by the multiplying group. Within 33 years, everybody on the earth would know Jesus. And that's one a year. That's yeah. one person, one a year, right? Mm-hmm. As it grows and scales out. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's such a crazy thing to think about that why are we trying to argue with people in masses as an effective tool, why are we not engaged in individual people's lives, family, friends, coworkers, schoolmates, whatever. Why are we not doubling down there saying, hey, let's do what Jesus commanded us to do. And, and that's where it's at. I mean, that, that you have to get in people. It's messy. Life is messy. Yeah. Get involved in people's lives, share their burdens, walk the path with them. So you build credibility. I mean, and be genuine about it, love people, and then share what you believe, have a testimony that matches what you say you believe, right? A real conversation in life, the way you walk, and then make a difference in people's life by pointing them to Jesus. Then they will go and do it, right? And that's how it's done. And so if that leads to a conversation of evolution versus creation, great. Maybe you just talk about hurt and pain and the worst things that ever happened to them and how you have an answer for that, a God who loves them, that would never do that. The best thing about all this, right, is 
what I keep going back to is, you know, yes, but there's a better way. Yeah. Yes, you believe in evolution, but there's a, there's a better way. Yes, you believe that, hey, when you die, when you take your last breath, your heart starts beating. It's just black. Lights out forever. Again, that's just super hard for me to even understand why you'd let yourself believe that. But there's a better way, right? Given the choice, like, why would you believe that? I mean, just you, you can go through any, any stance. Yes, but there's a better way. And listeners, it's not my way. It's not the way of any individual person. We were taught and we accepted and we have faith about that. That is God's way. We accept that's God's way. That's, that's not a man-made philosophy. That's nothing that we're propagating. That came straight from God. And listen, I mean, whether you believe in evolution, whether you believe in you don't know, right, you have to ask yourself at some point in your life, maybe it's when a tragedy hits, maybe there's, there's a point in your life where you have to get real. And at a certain point, you have to ask yourself, and I think some people wait until that <laughs> the last few days, few hours, where they really, like, they, they don't know, they're scared. Some point in your life, the point is some point in your life, you have to ask yourself, how did it begin? And how is it going to end? And ladies and gentlemen, those things are directly related. And there's a better way. So I would say, if anybody is confused about that, Think about it. Take some time to really get quiet, quiet yourself and think, where did this all come from? And where does it all go? Make it real. Get the distractions out. Think about it. And if you don't have an answer, that says something. There's a better way. Good. I'll say to Kyle that um, as we wrap this thing up, I think we're kind of getting near the end. Um, I, I probably could go on like another hour and I apologize for everybody. No, we um, for sure could. I, I would say that if you're listening um, and you want resources, right, and you want to talk about this in greater detail, and I, if you work with youth or you just want to see some rudimentary ideas here about, you know, why this logic kind of tracks up, I'd be happy to share what I have. I have an arsenal. I mean, a lot of stuff. We, we go over this for like seven years at different times with, with the youth to make sure that they are firmly rooted. And notice as we talked about this, I did not pull back in the Bible often. Right. To defend myself with my own faith, mm -hmm. just try to use logic and things that we can observe and see and, you know, math and whatever else. I mean, all the things that scientists say they believe in. Right. Um, but there are tremendous resources um, out there. And I'd be happy to share and talk about any of this at any time. I would say uh, I, I just have two really last things before I, I give the contact info. Uh, we have to remember as Christians that the burden of proof doesn't lie with us. One of the most important things I've ever heard about apologetics is that the burden of proof lies with the unbeliever, not with the Christian. And my second thing, my, my la second, what well, my actually last thing would be, uh, to Kyle's point, there's a better way. I, I, for me, I don't understand. It is so depressing to think that I'm the best thing that there is out there or that humankind is the best thing that there is out there. And if, if we're it, it, there's a better way. Like there has to be something out there. There has to be something because we can't be 
the end of it. We can't be the epitome of it. Um, but yeah, if you'd like, if you'd like to talk about any of this, if you'd like to get some resources from Ryan or just touch base with people here at the church, you have questions that we didn't answer. Or we started down a road that we didn't really resolve. Um, and you've got questions about where we were going with that. Cause I know it happened. Um, you can get a hold of us at podcast at lakeworthbaptist.org. You can look us up on Instagram at lwbc.publications. Uh, Facebook is the same. Uh, drop us a line, send us a message, send us an email. We'd love to hear from you and, and we will answer every email that we get in the best fashion that we can. Absolutely. No, we'd love to hear from everybody. Um, yeah, hit us up with any questions. We'd love to address them here on the podcast. We won't shy away from any any legitimate question. We want to be able to give answers, biblical answers straight from the Bible. But uh, we thank you guys for listening to this week's episode of Thinking Well, and uh, we'll see you next week.